0: Hello, working people of Southwest Washington.
1: You're listening to episode two of Working to Live in Southwest Washington, produced by the Southwest Washington Central Labor Council and sponsored by Northwest Innovation Works. But we'll talk about that a little bit later. We're also a proud member of the Labor Radio Podcast Network. Find out more about the network at laborradionetwork.org.
0: I'm Shannon Myers.
1: And I'm... Harold Phillips.
0: Now, before we get started, I just wanted to remind everyone that the views and opinions expressed on this show are not necessarily the views of the Southwest Washington Central Labor Council, our affiliate unions, our guests, unions, businesses, parents, dogs, children, anyone's views, but their own.
1: And boy, do they have views.
0: (laughs) Don't we all?
1: Hey, Shannon. How was your Labor Day?
0: Well, being a union leader, usually we are out at our amazing Labor Day picnics celebrating what Labor Day is really about, which is the unions and working people and celebrating together on all of our hard fights. But uh, unfortunately, we did not have our celebrations because of our current situation with COVID. So (laughs) I painted my laundry room fun. I guess I didn't take it
1: off, right? I didn't really take mine off either because I was invited on WPFW in Washington, D.C. to talk about our new podcast. So to all of our new listeners from the other Washington, I just want to say welcome. And a lot of people in Southwest Washington had the day off for Labor Day yesterday, but a lot of them didn't. It was just another day off for them. It's no secret that the COVID-19 pandemic has really impacted the employment situation here in Washington State, and a lot of people are looking for that next step in their career. But you don't have to necessarily go into debt to have a solid career, whether you're looking for a new career or whether you're a young person who's just starting out in life. So to talk about that, we have a few people with us. First off, we have Bob Carroll, president of the Columbia Pacific Building and Construction Trades Council.
2: Hi there. Besides being president of the Columbia Pacific Building Trades, I'm also a proud member of
3: IBW Local 48.
1: We've also got Mike Bridges who is the current president of the Longview-Kelso Building Trades Council.
3: Hi, how's everybody doing? And I'm also a proud member of
1: IBW48. And finally, we have Mark Riker with us. He's the executive secretary of the Washington State Building and Construction
4: Trades Council. Good afternoon. Good to be with everybody. I am a rank-and-file member of Sheet Metal Workers Local 66.
1: We keep saying this term, building trades. What does that
4: mean exactly? Well, generally, it is the construction crafts in Washington State. Actually, all over the world, we build everything from houses to high-rises and the highways to connect the two. So you're the guys who
1: are swinging the hammers and
4: carrying the big
1: loads, right? We do have a lot of listeners here who are trying to help guide their children into fulfilling careers. Why would you recommend that someone who's just starting out end up doing manual labor?
3: Yeah, this is Mike. I always share this when we're going in and talking to the kids in the high schools and the junior highs. A lot of these trades, whether it's sheet metal, electrician, plumbers, steam fitters, they all translate well into other types of work. And a lot of our folks end up doing you know, maybe 10 years in construction. And then as they get older, they decide maybe I um, would like to work this facility that I've been working at for this contractor for the last five years. It's really nice. I like the people. Sometimes the work's a little bit different than construction and, and a little easier on the body. So that's that's another thing i like to mention because some people just can't envision themselves doing a construction lifestyle for, you know, their whole career. So a lot of people don't.
1: Well, Bob, what does that mean, that construction lifestyle?
2: Well, the construction lifestyle is just that, you know, doing construction in the craft that we do it in. For example, myself, I'm in my 42nd year of being an electrician and I started out an apprenticeship, did four years of apprenticeship getting paid while I was, I was earning, while I was learning.
1: Did you say you were getting paid while you were learning?
2: Yes, we do on-the-job hours. You work a full-time job, you get paid, and you go to school a certain amount of hours per week for you know maybe 30 weeks a year. A typical apprenticeship is 160 hours of classroom learning as well as working full-time.
0: So Bob, you're telling me they're getting on-the-job training, they're getting paid to do it. Do they have benefits too?
2: Typically speaking, most apprentices do not gain benefits in the first
4: year of apprenticeship other than medical. But Uh, they get
0: medical benefits.
4: Number one rule is apprenticeship starts with a job. For folks that don't know what apprenticeship is, it's learning while you're earning. And we don't have student debt in the apprenticeship because while you've got a loss on the debt that a college student earns, you've got gaining on the side that an apprentice earns. Apprentices have debt too. But their mortgages, auto loans, the normal bills that every person in society has, they're on the positive side.
1: So I think a lot of people, when they're going through schools, the guidance counselors will tell them how to apply to colleges and what that process is like. But I don't know that a lot of people get information about how to follow an
3: apprenticeship. Well. We were slowly changing the narrative on that. I think we've been trying to talk about it to anybody that'll listen in the schools. And until fairly recently, at least in my area here, they wanted us there to talk about apprenticeship, but the, we weren't getting backed up by the educator sometimes. I think the, the message was still um, the best pathways of four-year you know degree. And so one of the most frustrating things is I would find folks that that did pick an apprenticeship pathway or maybe knew somebody in the trades and they were all excited because they knew they weren't going to go a four-year pathway to a college. They knew they wanted to work with their hands. They knew they wanted to get in construction, but typically you need to be pretty good in the algebra and the math. And just to fill out an application, we require a C or better in high school algebra. And so I was so frustrated to have to send people away and, and tell them, man, you need to go back and take a class at LCC.
1: LCC, what's, what's that?
3: It's the name of our local community college, Lower Columbia College but you know those were people that probably could have got started you know 6 months a year sooner And we could have got them right into the program.
0: So, Mike, I know that you've been working on a program up there to try to get youth involved or at least get the knowledge that a trade is an option for them.
3: Yeah. A couple years ago, we got approached by the Longview School District because we'd had a pretty good relationship with them, helping them work with their CTE program and coming and talking about apprenticeship. They wanted to take it to like a next level. The the school district had an idea, but they didn't know what that curriculum looked like. So, we were able to help them out with that. And that's kind of how the partnership started and the beauty of that is these students as sophomores and freshmen and juniors can get exposure through their pre-apprenticeship program to lots of trades thanks for asking about that it's one of two pre-apprenticeships in the k-12 system that I'm aware of in Washington State
0: my daughter went in as a freshman in high school and within the first two weeks my daughter was going to a art school, in New York, a uh, hundred and whatever thousand dollars for tuition. And she was going to be an art teacher. And I was floored. First of all, my kid wants to move away to New York. Second of all, college over a hundred thousand. Third, she's going to get a career that won't pay her enough to flip her education bill. Now, my daughter, after talking to me and having some thoughts on what exactly that six-figure education costs long-term, she is now getting her applied medical science and going into the nursing field. So no school debt, coming out as a certified nurse's assistant, and having a long-term career as hopefully a pediatric nurse.
1: And that's a great field to be going into right now because I know there's a high demand for nurses and Bob, I think you were saying earlier that there's a high demand in a lot of the construction trades. Isn't that right?
2: There's a high demand now for several reasons. Number one, there's many of us that are my age, a little bit older, a little bit younger, they're all retiring out and that's leaving a huge gap in our trades. Also, there's just a tremendous amount of construction going on and the demand is huge. So between the huge demand and the retirements, there's a big gap to fill
1: We keep talking about qualified applicants and people who know algebra and that sort of thing. For students who are just starting out, they can absolutely direct themselves in that way. What about somebody who's mid-20s or 30s and maybe because of the pandemic, they've lost their job? Is there a way for them to make a transition into an apprenticeship program? There's absolutely
2: a way to make a transition. We have apprentices that Some of them start out brand new apprenticeship when they're 55 years old. Our average in our apprenticeship school right now, 26 years old. Now we are seeing a trend. We're seeing the trend younger just getting out of high school because we are reaching out into the schools. And we also see some of their parents are applying right along with them. So we're seeing multi-generation apprentices in one family. Which is rather interesting.
1: Is there a general formula that people can follow if they want to investigate the idea of apprenticeship, whether it's with SMART, the sheet metal workers, or IBEW, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, or the bricklayers, or some other building trade?
4: Our state building trades website has a link to all building trades registered apprenticeships in Washington state. And our website is simple. It's wabuildingtrades.org. So wabuildingtrades.org. And if you go under the community section, it lists all the apprenticeship programs and you can investigate which particular craft you may want to take a look at and read about the history of it on what the craft does and gives you the contact. It gives you each individual apprenticeship programs website and you can figure out how to apply, contact them, ask them further questions right from there.
1: We are coming to the end of our time here, but are there any final thoughts you want to share with the audience? Yeah, Bob. There's a great demand
2: now for journey-level workers. So those that are non-union out there have the opportunity to join one of our unions, and that way you can benefit by the better wages and benefits that we typically
4: have. Historically, there was always kind of a divide between union folks and non-union folks, and it was almost adversarial. We have evolved, or we are evolving, and now us union folks try to do everything we can to give them the ability to get everything they can and benefit them and their families for the only thing they have to sell. We all only have one thing to sell, our labor. That's all we got, and you might as well get everything you possibly can for that, and the best way to do that is by banding together. Together, we are a hell of a lot stronger than we are when we stand on our own. And that doesn't mean you're not an individual. You're absolutely an individual, but you maximize your strength when you gather in like-minded folks, specifically to sell your own labor. Speaking to the folks who are contemplating, you know, would this be right for me? Take a real good look and see who it could be right for. It's right for everybody, to be honest with you. Yes, we need folks to go to college. We need architects, engineers. We need doctors. We need lawyers. We need all of it. Society needs everybody. And we need people to build the stuff that we have for our comfort, for our pleasure. And that's us. And I was was a homeless high school kid up in Arlington, Washington and made it out of high school. The best thing I ever did was graduate high school, not because the opportunities it opened for me, but the doors it did not close for me. And one of them was, Being able to get into an apprenticeship a little bit later, I started at 21, and I also learned a lot of things and had the opportunity to sell my labor, to learn a marketable skill in the sheet metal industry so that I could have a middle-class lifestyle, all from being a homeless kid, going into an apprenticeship, really gave me the ability to change my family tree so that my son has a really good middle-class lifestyle. It's for everybody. Yes, you're qualified. Yes, you can do this. And damn it, we need you.
1: I can't think of a better sentiment to go out on. Thank you so much, Mark Riker, Executive Secretary, Washington State Building and Construction Trades Council, Bob Carroll, President, Columbia Pacific Building and Construction Trades Council, and Mike Bridges, President of Longview-Kelso Building Trades Council. Now hang out with us, working people. Mike is going to stick around, and we're going to talk about an exciting new project up in his neck of the woods in Longview.
5: Hey, folks, it's Mark, your host on My Labor Radio. You can find us on multiple podcast platforms, and this show is now part of the laborradionetwork.org. You can discover more than just us by visiting their website. The Labor Radio Network will help you find your next new favorite union podcast or radio show, a simple network of folks from across the nation. Working people keep raising their voices more and more each day and demanding better treatment from their workplaces and their elected officials. As you know, these voices don't get heard very much on the corporate-controlled media. But the 21st century's labor movement has a new way to get its message out there And working people don't rely on traditional media gatekeepers It's now the internet so you can turn off your TV to get the real news So that gets us to that one-stop shop Just visit laborradionetwork.org On the main page you'll see a grid of show logos Just click one and the description and links pop up right there It's worth going to visit this ever-growing Voices of Labor resource Join us at laborradionetwork.org
1: Thanks for sticking with us, working people. And thanks to Mike Bridges for sticking with us as well. Because, Mike, you've got a really exciting project up in the Longview area to talk to us about,
3: right? Yes. Actually, Harold, it's in Kalama, Washington. But this project is going to help out all of our county, all of our workers working on it, and people from all over Washington and, and parts of Oregon probably, too. So pretty exciting. And you've brought along Kent Caputo and... V.
1: Godley from Northwest Innovation Works. Kent V., what is Northwest Innovation Works?
6: Northwest Innovation Works is a project being cited in Kalama, like Mike indicated, and we produce a product called methanol. And what we do is we take in natural gas, and instead of burning natural gas, we actually take it, break apart the molecules, recombine those molecules into a new substance that's called methanol. And then that methanol is shipped to a global market where it's used to produce goods, such as any of your synthetic goods, like your cell phone cases, tabletops, carpet, anything and everything made out of synthetic fibers.
1: So basically, this is methane, right? You hear a lot about methane as being bad for the environment and uh, a greenhouse gas. So is that something that people in our area need to worry about?
6: Where you get greenhouse gases is when people burn methane or, or natural gas. What we're doing is not burning that. We're breaking down the molecules and we're making uh, methanol that you can actually go on Amazon and buy it uh, in various volumes today.
1: Mike, you're president of the Longview-Kelso Building Trades Council. You're not a chemist. What's your connection to this?
3: Well, one of the things that I've seen since I've been working with this project is from day one, the fact that they came in wanting to be part of the community, going above and beyond what the regulations are state and federally, and along with putting thousands of people to work in a community that that really needs it right now.
0: Mike, they've actually signed a project labor agreement, which is going to support above and beyond living wage jobs. And it's also my understanding that they're going to have union represented
6: workers inside the facility as well.
1: What kind of jobs are we talking about here?
6: Well, during construction, basically you're building, for lack of a better term, a city. You've got the underground, you've got the infrastructure, you've got the structure, you've got all of your utilities, and you've got all of your life safety. So it touches across all boundaries of all of your different members' skill sets. And we're looking at uh, at peak construction to have in excess of 1,000 people working daily. And
1: that's the construction of the plant. What kind of employment would the plant itself provide to the surrounding area?
6: Uh, The plant itself will, once it starts operating, will have about 200 direct jobs. You'll also have what's called uh, indirect and induced jobs, which will be another 500 jobs.
1: What can our listeners do to help move this project forward?
6: People will have the opportunity
1: to, uh, to get involved, and we hope they will and speak their mind directly to
4: the Department of Ecology during this comment period on the environmental review that is underway right now. That that draft document has been put out. People get to talk about it. A good portal to get to that is just go to the website,
1: letsbuildthiswa.com, www.letsbuildthiswa.com, and that'll take them right through to be able to make written comments or to be able to sign up to be able to virtually testify. That's fantastic. We're really looking forward to hearing updates on this project. What's that website again?
6: Let'sBuildThisWA.com
0: I am just going to say on a last note to all of our listeners, know what's going on in your community, support good projects, get involved, and make a difference.
3: Thank you so much for the opportunity, Shannon and Harold. We really appreciate it.
1: Well, thank you so much for joining us, The Godly. And Kent Caputo with Northwest Innovation Works. And, of course, Mike, Mike Bridges.
3: <laughs>
1: from the <laughs> Longview
0: State. Kelso Building Trades. Brother Bridges. Thank you, guys.
3: Thanks for having you us. You the me, me on. it.
0: <laughs>
4: Thanks Take for care. the opportunity.
1: Now stick around, working people. We are going to have a discussion with someone from another rural area who's very interested in training people for the jobs of the future.
0: And. By the way, she's running for office. Oh, yeah,
1: that little right.
7: detail. <laughs> I want to say some good things about the Labor Radio Network. It's no question but that they are doing a great job in helping people find out what's happening from our own point of view, from working people's point of view. I'm Gene Lance from the Workers' Beat program in Dallas, Texas. Now, Texas, Texas has no other program except our little one-hour program that is uh, dedicated to everything from the point of view of working families. The podcasters that are now getting together are getting things out from the point of view of working families for the first time ever because everything else that you read, every movie you go to, every library, every book, every magazine... They're owned by the bosses. So we would really like you to stick with the labor podcasters. Thanks so much. Thanks for staying with us, working people in Southwest Washington. Joanna
1: Turner is running for District 1 Commissioner in Clictat County, and she is here to talk about another building trades project, like the ones we were just talking about, out in her region. Thanks for joining us, Joanna.
8: Thanks, Harold. I'm excited to be here and talk about job opportunities for people in Clickitac County because living wages are something that is so important to me. And I think a lot of people in rural areas don't have access to a lot of living wage jobs. So this is just fantastic.
1: You mentioned that people in rural areas don't have access to living wage jobs. Would you say that Clickitac County is a largely rural county? I'm fairly new to Southwest Washington myself, so I don't know a lot about your county. Could you tell us a little bit about it?
8: Yeah, Click Attack County is very rural. It's a pretty good-sized county, and we have over 22,000 folks that live here, but we're losing a lot of our youth because there aren't good jobs that they can have and maintain and feel like they can build a family and a life for themselves here. So it's super sad to see youth leaving this place, which is so beautiful,
0: I am super impressed that both of you can say that one word that I have so much trouble saying, and everybody has that one word, and I have a feeling it's going to be said a lot tonight, and I am boycotting it, and that word is rural, 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 rural. I hate it. I'm done.
6: So
1: you can say click a hat.
0: Rural. (laughs) Brothers and sisters. Rural. I can say click a tat. I can say wakaikum. Well, I can say skimania. <laughs> but goodness gracious, you give me rural. And I it, my lips just freeze up. I don't know. So sorry. She thinks I'm going
1: to be cutting that out of the final podcast, but she's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> So, Joanna, what what do you do about that? The fact that the younger people are leaving the county and looking for a future elsewhere, how how can you stem that tide?
8: Yeah, that's a great question and something that I've been thinking a lot about because I have three teenagers. I want them to have an appreciation for this amazing place and learn how to love it and to tend to it well, but I also want them to not feel like they have to escape to have a life outside of here. So it's something I've been thinking about a lot. And how do we encourage community to come together to create those types of jobs that people want to stay here?
0: So, Joanna, do you think that more of these positions that are going to working at home may help uh, populate more of our rural areas? And also that brings in another question that we talked about in our last episode as far as Wi-Fi in more rural areas to help keep those jobs and maintain those jobs possibly in those areas. What do you think?
8: Yeah, absolutely, Shannon. Access to broadband is so important and is one of the things that we absolutely need to take on And as a county commissioner, it's one of the things that I'm going to prioritize. We simply have to. Not only do we have kids at home who don't have the capacity to do their homework. I know people who have to drive their kids to the school and sit in the parking lot just to access Wi-Fi so that their kids can do their homework. And that's not okay. Also, a lot of folks working from home, though, don't have access to reliable broadband. So it's something I believe the commissioners absolutely need to get behind, absolutely need to take on, and make sure that it happens for the well-being of every single citizen in this county.
1: That's a pretty high-tech solution for a rural area. And... We started off by talking about another high-tech solution that's going in in that rural area as well. There
8: is a big solar project going in on the easternmost edge of Quiketat County, which is exciting to see so much work come in. I know that there's going to be, I think, 150 electrician jobs to start and like 300 jobs at their max capacity, which is going to be next spring when they start actually installing solar panels. We do have a lot of access to sun and wind as evidenced with all of the windmills that you see on the eastern part of this county also. So harnessing those natural resources and doing so in a way that hopefully causes very little impact to the ground that they're going to be on.
1: I think when a lot of people think of rural areas, they think of people who live quiet, non, let's say, contemporary lives. But in reality, we're talking about a rural county here that has a solar farm going in, that has wind farms to generate electricity, that's trying to find a way to get broadband out to its citizens. It sounds to me like Click County is actually living not just in the now, but in the future and trying to make the future.
8: I hope so. That's one of the concerns that I had when I initially started this race, though, was I didn't see a lot of forward thinking, especially around housing and what do we do, because no matter what we do, we are going to grow. We need to manage that growth well, and we need to be proactive with the opportunities that we need to provide for workforce housing. You know, If we want people to stay here, if we want people to move here, which I know that's controversial in and of itself, but it doesn't matter sometimes what we want. People are going to be moving here. And so we need to be proactive in how we can manage that growth and do it well so that there's very little impact. And so that the jobs that we do create, like I said before, are living wage jobs that people feel like are reliable, that they can have a family here, that they can you know, raise those kids here and still have access to work that's going to be beneficial for them.
1: So what is the plan to keep bringing in those family wage jobs. I mean, what can you as a county commissioner do to help buttress the economy so that people can make a living wage?
8: I think a lot of it starts with relationships, building relationships and building community. And if we prioritize building community and caring about other folks, you know, our neighbors, our neighborhoods, no matter how rural they are, no matter how much distance is between them, then people are going to see that and they're going to want to stay here. I think one of the things that we can do as far as bringing in prevailing wage jobs is just having that conversation. It's not always about the bottom line. I'm self-employed. I have a couple other people that work for me, but paying them a decent wage is so vitally important to me. And it makes me feel so good when the people that work for me come back and say, you're one of the best bosses we've ever had. Thank you for taking care of us. Like that sense of satisfaction means more to me. And I know that it means more to them than a lot of other things that I could be doing. So it's not about, you know, the bottom line, how little we can pay people. It's about how we take care of those people and how we tend to them and how we make them feel.
0: Are you hiring Joanna?
8: (laughs) I actually am. I need to find someone else to come and clean. (laughs) (laughs) What are your top
0: priorities? What do you want to tell your community that you want to lead when you hit that county seat?
8: Yes, yeah, so we've already talked about a couple of things. Broadband is absolutely one of the top ones, and building community. You know, the first question that I get from ninety percent of the people that I talk to when I introduce myself to someone say I'm running for county commissioner, people are like, "Yeah, what does that even mean?" And so I ask people, you know, do you know what the county commissioners do? And nine times out of ten they don't know. And to me, that's a problem. When constituents don't know who to reach out to when they have an issue, when they have a challenge, that's a problem. So not only educating people about who to talk to, but making those meetings more accessible to folks is vitally important so that people have more of a vested interest in how things work. The other thing that I'm really, really passionate and concerned about is access to mental health for folks in the community. And Everybody needs to have access to quality mental health, especially our youth. Like I said before, they're leaving the county, but part of it is because I don't feel like they feel supported well in this environment.
0: So, how do they get a hold of you for your campaign? How do they volunteer? How do they give money? How do they tell their friends and family? You got Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Fill us in.
8: So, my website is friendsofjoanna.com super easy, friendsofjoanna.com. You can sign up there to volunteer. You can sign up for my newsletter. I don't inundate your junk box and it doesn't go to anybody else but me. You can email me from there and find out some volunteer opportunities. So we've got everything from some sign-waving opportunities to phone calling. We've got a lot of phone banking that's going to be starting soon to donations. We've got some campaign-specific political cartoons that are being made. So you have the opportunity to support a local artist also because the arts is something that's really vitally important to our communities
1: obviously some of us have a vested interest in supporting the arts wow you got game of thrones going on that phone there
8: (laughs) yes that is my ringtone i'm sorry
1: (laughs) that might end up in the podcast too that's just too cool I do have to ask, how is your county handling the fires that are devastating Washington right now?
8: I think our county is handling it pretty well. We have some amazing firefighters and they are always just going full tilt. I could not do what they do and be out there carrying what they carry dressed as they are fighting fires in the heat. I have the utmost respect for our local firefighters and our county has done a really good job in handling wildfires.
1: Well, God knows we all owe our firefighters a great debt for the work that they do. What was that website again?
8: FriendsofJoanna.com. And just remember to vote. Encourage everybody to vote. Vote. doesn't matter who you're voting for at the top of the ballot. It, It matters that you vote all the way down the ballot, all the way, every single seat. Local politics is the most important. And that's where we can make the most change. Thank you so much, Shannon. Thank you, Harold. You both are fantastic.
1: And thank you working people in Southwest Washington and around the world for joining us for another episode of Working to Live in Southwest Washington, produced by the Southwest Washington Central Labor Council and sponsored by Northwest Innovation Works.
0: And don't forget, our amazing Harold is a SAG-AFTRA member, so therefore this podcast was recorded under a SAG-AFTRA collective bargaining agreement. Union strong, Harold. Union strong.
1: And seriously, everybody, it's crazy out there. Stay home and stay safe.
0: And take care of each other.
1: We'll look forward to seeing you next week.